Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we cover some of the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde, today, and with me are one of the best writers of all time, Anthony Arnold. Yes! Professor X, a almost newly minted doctor in his own right. And we have our favorite he, him, Nick Humber with us today. How are you guys? Doing good. good. Uh, Do you intentionally invoke Buzz Lightyear with the Beyond? Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> he said it earlier. To infinity yeah. and beyond. Yeah, the way he had said it in an earlier one. I was like, that sounds like Buzz Lightyear, but I didn't want to call him uh, <laughs> To be honest, I don't know if I was doing it intentionally, but now that, now that you've mentioned that, I think I might be. I, I, I think, that, I think that, that might be where I'm getting that from, actually. That's fair. That's it's not even the ambient part that you're saying, it's the cadence of which you're saying it. This podcast brought to you by the new Buzz Lightyear movie starring Chris <laughs> <laughs> Go see it in theory. If you want to uh, make up for your karmic retribution for some of your sins, you can sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go ahead and get into it. Alex, Professor... Oh, sorry. Today, we're going to talk about um, the orthopox virus genus. What? Can you layman's terms that, please? <laughs> what? Um, this is uh, hope. This is a situ. This is an ongoing situation, and hopefully, it will remain just uh, just tangential for for a lot of us. But is so that I'm monkey talking pox? about monkeypox? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, that okay. is monkeypox. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> We're talking so about to be clear, pox. to be clear, monkeypox is just one section of the orthopox virus genus. Um, but so a bit of background. Um, this is from uh, the CDC. So monkeypox was first discovered in 1958 um, when two outbreaks of a pox-like virus uh, occurred in colonies of monkeys um, that had been kept for research. Hence the name monkeypox. Now, the first one was discovered in 19... First human case was discovered in 1970 at the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and uh, this was during an intensified effort to eliminate smallpox. Uh, so since then, it's largely been limited to um, uh, Central and Western African countries, um, Cameroon, Central African Republic, um, I, that's a French name, and I'm going to butcher it, Cote, Cote d'Ivoire, the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, Gabon, Liberia, Nigeria, the Republic of the Congo, and Sierra Leone. Um, however, recently, um, uh, there has been an outbreak of um, monkeypox across more than 20 countries. So there have been about 200 confirmed cases and about 100 suspected cases of monkeypox. Um, uh, in say in the past couple of uh, in the past month, according to WHO. Um, these uh, include many countries in um, in Europe and North America. Uh, so uh, specifically, there have been a couple of cases in uh, British Columbia and uh including outbreaks in 
California, Colorado, Florida, Massachusetts, New York, Utah, Virginia, and Washington. Washington State, not Washington, D.C. Clarity. It's coming. It's coming, guys. Yep. It's, it's confirmed coming. in Ireland and Mexico just today. They had their first cases. It's it's everywhere. It's it's on its way. <laughs> and uh, remember this as you were traveling while we were recording <laughs> this. That's just a cruel, a cruel drop. Yes. <laughs> this is so mean. Remember yes. this as you enjoy your travel heavy weekend. That the monkey box is out there waiting for you. <laughs> waiting to come get you. Oh, by the time it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So the other thing I uh, I just want to bring out is like um similar. So for these types of viruses, uh, there's what's called a natural reservoir. That is the species that like naturally carries it and is largely immune to it. So for example, bats are a natural reservoir for rabies. Bats are usually unaffected by rabies, but con- but are pretty regularly carry it. Um, the natural reservoir for monkeypox remains unknown. Yeah. So where do these cases, where these cases appear from and where they disappear to is um, an area of active investigation and does not bode well for anything that's going, you know, for our modern society where we travel all the time. No, so the remember that while you are <laughs> that is prepared fair. to travel for your 4th of July festivity. Um, correct, yeah. Francine. It did show, uh, it was first discovered in a, la- in, um, in a population of monkeys, but that's just where it broke out from. That's not where it, like, it's not native to that population of monkeys. Monkey all pox. right. Monkeypox. It's Monkey coming pox. Be Be aware. <laughs> And protect yourself, monkeypox. It, All right. It does not have I, a nice ring to it, Francine. I have a quick question. Um, yeah, buddy. What What are the symptoms of monkeypox? How do people oh. know how to watch out? For? Oh, uh, symptoms, uh, signs and symptoms question. of monkeypox. So the illness begins with fever, headache, muscle aches, backache, swollen lymph nodes, chills, and exhaustion. And within one to three days of the fever, um, pe- uh, people will develop a rash, um, much like chicken pox. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a pox. Yeah. Uh, so it's I don't have a great um, pustule uh, scabs, all that fun stuff that chicken pox comes with. But you yes. Know. Now I say now our chicken pox tend to be red. Um, uh, now grain of salt because uh, most of the cases, again, have been historically centralized to Central and Western Africa. Um, but these appear to, like, appear to, like, be more white. Yeah. Okay. They look more like skin lesions than, yeah. like, you know, the red, irritated pumps that you get with uh, chicken pox. Good to know. Yeah. This is going to be an ongoing thing. I, was, uh, I as, mean, as climate changes, people's patterns of movement change we get introduced to new diseases as the climate changes that we maybe haven't been introduced before as some areas warm, like we're going to, this stuff is going to happen. That's when you combine it with the increased movement of humans around the globe. Well, I'll say, (laughs) uh, I also want to, you know, so the other part um, that, uh, you know, Anthony's talking about like, you know, climate change as the, is continuing to push um, mosquitoes for like, you know, and other disease carrying vectors out of their natural habitats 
Um, so we have largely always thought of like malaria as a tro- you know, as a tropical condition. It's a it's a southern hemisphere problem. Right. It's about to, it's well, we're not. I say we've <laughs> right. already we've already seen some malaria cases in in southern Florida. Yep. Those cases are only going to become more common, and uh, uh and higher, like in higher amplitude. We're going to see a lot more cases, yep. a lot more frequently. <laughs> Good to know. It's all bad news. It's yes. all terrible. Just just when people are starting to act like COVID isn't real, we're starting to get a bunch of other diseases showing up and messing up human life. It's great. They don't give you that three for one combo pack this fall. COVID, <laughs> monkey pox, flu. I'm talking about <laughs> three and one combo pack. All right. So let's. <laughs> it's the last day. Yep. Yes. The plague is coming. Yeah. <laughs> you guys um, are worried about politics. We're just being taken out by monkey <laughs> For real. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's jump off of that and talk about the poll. Polls. As always, polls drop every Friday on our social media pages. Comments. We like to see uh, what you guys think. We like to interact with you in the comment sections. The poll this week is from a few weeks ago. Um. Janice and Kevin have a 15-year-old son who just recently came out to them as trans and no longer wants to be known as their son, but their daughter. We will call their daughter Lisa. Lisa has asked her parents for their help and support to start hormone treatment, and even though both her parents support her, they disagree on whether Lisa is old enough to receive hormone treatment. Um, from what I understand, adulthood isn't really recent until about the age of 25. I don't want to do anything that may cause harm to our daughter. I just think we should wait until she is older, says Janice. But Kevin, her partner, and Lisa's father disagrees, saying, I think we need to look at this from Lisa's point of view. We are literally forcing her to live in a body that doesn't fit who she is. That mental anguish alone causes me great concern and further makes me think that there may be irreparable mental harm if we don't act on this soon. They are currently seeking counseling on this matter and are looking at what options are available. Our question is, um, and this is if for those of us here who are parents or watching young kids, as a parent, do you think that if Lisa were your daughter, that you would help her find a doctor who can start her on hormone therapy? Or do you think that children who choose this path should wait until they are adults 25 or older? Um, so obviously, you don't have to be a parent to answer the question. I will start first, uh, and then we'll just go uh, let Alex go first. I think you, you haven't had a chance to go first on a poll this this session. So we'll go Alex, Josh, and then Nick in the, in the hammer stop for this one. So... Um, I really struggled a lot with this question from the parental point of view, because looking at uh, my wife and I have two kids together. She had a daughter when we met. So we have three kids. Our kids all have really different capabilities, right? One child may be ready. If this was our kids, one child may be ready to undergo this process at age 15 or 16, whereas the other one may not be um, because the transitioning process on its own will come with its own unique challenges, challenges that because of its uniqueness, neither me or my wife would actually be super well equipped to help our kid move through. Francine has asked what makes a child ready. I would say a level of maturity to undertake this challenge you are getting ready to, to, to tackle, one that you will – 
we can support you, but you will be tackling on your own because we have not gone through that. I cannot help guide you through the process with via personal experience, right? I can help guide my son through the stages of manhood. I have gone through those stages myself. I may not know his exact challenges, but I have an idea of, of what is in front of him. Um, my wife can help guide our daughters through the challenges of womanhood. Neither one of us can help guide you through the challenges of transitioning from one to the other. We don't know what you're going to face. We'll be there for you, but that's all we can do. So there, you have to, the child has to be ready to tackle this. They have to know what they are signing up for. And that is a child by child basis. So I really struggled because I don't think there is one guaranteed answer. I think parents have to support their kids, but then they have to look at their kids and determine, can you tackle this thing you are getting ready to tackle? Because you're going to try it. And if you fail, you will probably fail. You will fail hard. You will fall hard. You will fall alone. Um, and so I really struggle with it. I, I, I don't think there's one making kids wait or, or letting them go full bore with just for the moment. I just think you got to, I mean, we see in the poll question that the parents themselves disagree. <laughs> they have to line up first so that they can be there properly for their daughter. Um, so that was my answer. Um, like I said, we'll go Alex, Josh, and then Nick. Alex, you're next, buddy. So we have, I was like, this doesn't just apply to this situation. This applies to a lot of our, like a lot of our structures and stuff. Um, we have this idea that if things occur, that was like, that like people have to, you can control things and that people will be ready for things. And that uh, like, we have this like survivor bias. So what I mean is like, whether your kid is ready for puberty, puberty is going to hit your, you know, it will, will hit your kid regardless. Whether your kid is prepared for the, the level of mental and physical changes they are going to undergo, their body and their environment will demand that they undergo them regardless. Um, whether you think that the society is structured in the best way is, a, you know, um, is irrelevant, society will structure itself in some way whether you consent to it or not. And I think, and this is like, this is just a problem that humans as rational beings or entities capable of rational thought um, are going, will always struggle with is that like you, if you are given the option, if you're given the option, how, like when will you use it and how will you use it? Because a lot of things that we, like a lot of things that just happen, we don't actually get a choice in the matter. So to like, but like to your point, how as I, but like, sorry, that's a, that's a really like good critique, but it doesn't actually offer like an answer. <laughs> so um, the answer is yes. You, like, you know, your um, she is the wife, I say the wife is correct. You know, people don't reach maturity until 25. That being said, there are a whole bunch of stuff that happens between birth and 25 that they have to take full responsibility for not just like some responsibility like as children but i mean like full responsibility for and though and some of those things happen regardless of your intent and regardless of what you think and regardless of how you feel so that like the question becomes like are doesn't become like are they doing the correct thing and it was like well that's that's largely like it's largely irrelevant like these changes are going to happen one way or another the question is 
are you going to honor your child's wishes or not? Uh, I would push back slightly, though. In this case, these changes aren't going to happen one way or the other. Hormone therapy will not happen on its no, own. No, but their body there, there's a will range of but there's a but range their of body choices. Will change. Right. What I'm saying is there's bodies, a range of options that have different your, demands on the acceptance. Like the parents in this case are both accepting of this. They're just they're not debating whether or not to accept their daughter. They're debating cool. which of the many choices they now have they should cool. make at this moment. Correct. But I'm saying, but if you say, but if you recognize them as your daughter, the choice is like the earlier that you can do um you can start to say that you could sorry okay hormone changes are uh say um some of the hormone changes that you make uh the first ones that happen are uh, say are the most defining um we've you, you see this all the time people take um say once say uh trans women frequently suffer with facial hair in a way that norm that um biological women do not trans um uh, say I, I i have some experience with trans women i don't have this experience with trans men but they um can sometimes have pro um have shape issues i uh, say you know fe um, feminine shape shapes regardless of the like the amount of uh, hormones that they take because these changes the ha changes that happen first are the most impactful because you can't go back so these changes are going to occur one way or another. The question is, you know, as I, like, you know, in terms, even if, even if in terms of like acceptability, do you want your, do you want your daughter to look like a woman or do you want her to kind of look, let's say, did you want her to look like there will be biological limitations uh, I say of, of doing it later in life. That's what I'm trying to say. Not that trans okay. women don't I like the way like you women. worded that because I was fairly confident I knew what was about to come right. out of your mouth and I was like, I, knew, I don't know if you want to say that right now. That is right. Yes, that's not the argument. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm saying like there are difficulties involved and there are just limits and there are limitations. And do you want, and given the option, would you force that upon someone? There's a, okay. there's a level of dysphoria that comes from transitioning later in life that yes. would not happen if you, if, you, if it, they had, had been done earlier. Correct. That's and that's what I mean by like the the changes that happen first are the most impactful. Okay. All right. Now I got you. I got what you're going now. All right. Josh, Joshua, President Hyde. Yeah. So me and my wife have actually had this conversation. Uh, we've had several because one of the things that we once we got married, uh, one of the next logical conversations that we had was about getting a house and one of the next logical conversations we had after that was about having children um and we we're still kind of undecided on whether or not we will actually have children because my wife is the kind of person who like wants like a time frame plan and i completely fucked that up for her <laughs> because when we met she was like the kind of type a personality that was like I'm going to get out of college. I'm going to have this many kids by this age. I'm going to have a house by this age. I'm going to have like a career by this age. I'm going to like retire at 55. Literally had her whole life planned out. And I was like, yo. <laughs> and then all that went out the window. And so we've been kind of figuring out a lot of stuff like as we, um, as we like go about it in terms of like how to live our lives together. But one thing that we are, we are very like, uh, together on is the idea that if we have a son or a daughter 
uh, and they feel as though they should be something else, we will 100% do that, like help them with that transition as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Because we have both lived in scenarios where family members or very close friends have been going through what it's like to attempt to do that later in life and the challenges that come with it. And so given that we have firsthand experience with dealing or helping people deal with the, the difficulties of transition, we would want that to happen for them as quickly as possible if that's what they feel they want to do. Now, obviously we would, you know, lean into the child's perspective there. If as an example, that's something that they feel, but then they change their mind on, we're also willing to change their mind on it. We're not going to force them to do anything. But like, if my born son comes to me and says, I, I want to be a woman, I'm like, all right, we're, we're going to make that happen. Let's talk about what that looks like. Like that, that's 100% like a, a thing that we are prepared to do as a family, if need be. All right. Thank you. Nick. So I talked about this a bit when you posted the poll in Slack. And one of the core arguments that I had made is that I didn't like going through puberty the first time. Then you're going to subject your child to going through it twice. No, no, thank you. That's not, uh-uh. Um, but that, that aside, it's, um, there's, there's two like sub points I want to make about this, um, to Francine's, if the kid changes their mind, statistically, that is incredibly low. That's like somewhere around 1%, like, like re changes their minds, right? Like they understand that they're trans and then they fully go through the hormone therapy. And then at the end, they're like, oops, that rarely happens. That is so unbelievably statistically low that I honestly, I don't really even consider it an option. Is it one? Yes, but odds are probably not. Um, but in, in the same way Josh said that if, if that does happen, the support is still there regardless. Um, also as a sort of deconstruction of the question, children can understand gender extremely early on. They can self-identify extremely early on. I'm talking like before five years old. Yep. And a child, I think one of the issues that this question poses, not in its in its in in and of itself, but in the in the mind frame of the culture it's in, is that we teach children that they're either a boy or a girl. There's no wiggle room in that. It's you're either this or you're this. It's a binary. And if the, the thought that I'm having is we didn't have that binary, how much easier would it be for that child to identify early on? And if it is not, that gender identification is not the same as their assigned birth um, sex, then would this, would this question even exist? Because then it becomes, the child understands that they're a girl born in a boy's body, then what is puberty have, like what does the rest of the question have to do with that, right? In a culture where it is more understandable that children can identify that early on. Um, and I think, so just to be clear, I'm fully on the dad side with this, um, but I think that there is a, um, hold up, thought process off the rails. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll get it back. Um, 
we have to look at this. Like one of the things that I think is worth looking at is um, the child's perspective from a place of trauma. And I mean this solely in the idea that like, imagine when you were a kid and you knew something about yourself, doesn't matter what it is, pick a thing. You brought it up to your parents and they said no. And like how much you have to deal with that as you get older from their perspective, even if like maybe you wanted something, maybe, um, you know, it was, it could be a burger from McDonald's, you know, like this, it doesn't really matter what the reasoning is. Um, it's, or what the thing is, right? Let's say you wanted um, chips from the store and your parents brought up the very logical argument, you have chips at home. You don't need chips from the store right now. You want the chips and you, as a child, you have to deal with the emotions that come with it. There isn't that logic center like the question posits. Um, and the thing, and the reason I bring that up at all is that you have to look at that child's perspective, the, the, the trans child's perspective is that this is something they fundamentally know about themselves, fundamentally believe it's not as arbitrary as a bag of chips from the store. If you come at the child with a logical argument, they functionally will only understand that their parents don't support them. And while I agree that the, the parents in this question are both supporting the child, they want the child to be able to transition just at different times. If you come at the child with the mom's perspective, you're essentially saying, no, you no, you're saying no. Regardless of the logic that you have behind it, the child doesn't have that ability to process the logic of it. And I think there's a there's a miscommunication in where it becomes gender logic and then like logic logic. Like I didn't realize till I hit 25 how illogical I was with everything. Um, because I was working off instinct and emotion. But that doesn't mean I was void of, of general logic, right? Like the kid can probably piece together. I was like very easily, I was born um, this gender. I want to transition to this gender. Lisa was the name. I want to trans yeah. transition to a woman because that is what's going to make me feel at home in my body. There's a logic to that that still exists. But the follow-up logic the, the, the thing that happens with teenagers is they're lost in the emotions. They're lost in the emotional sauce, as it were. And um, they will take that information, the logical thought process that they have, I want to transition, and you'll come at them with a very separate type of logic that stems in their emotional space, right? So like, like, like in this instance, I'm kind of going in circles here, but you say no, do it when you're 25, is just a no from an emotional headspace. It's just a no. It's a, I don't trust you to be able to do the things you think about yourself. I don't believe you and you're incorrect. You can't do this until and that old. until you're older. Right. But even, right. If, even if, if that's the, that's the understanding from the child is simply the parent is denying them themselves, right? The, the parent is denying them, the child, the ability to be themselves. Um, and we think, uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know, Francine. The parent could be stalling for change. I think that is part of the reason they want to wait till the child is has a fully developed logic center. But the problem being is that there's a different type of logic that the child is having. When you hit 25, and I can attest to this because I did it two years ago, a lot more things become logical, but they become logical in a different way. They become logical almost based in fear, which is so bizarre. <laughs> Um, whereas when you're before that point, your logic isn't based in fear. Your logic is based in almost if X equals Y. 
And it's really a bizarre thought process because while you have if X equals Y, you don't think of everything else. That's where the fear comes in. You, you, pick, you pick apart every other thing, um, if, if that all makes sense. Well, it does. And it's, I'll say I, 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 I think your answer was, was really wonderful um, because it touches on something I was going to follow up on, then I'll kick it back to you, Josh. I say this as sort of the old, the old guy of this group, and the certainly the guy with the oldest kids by far. Very true. This group. Very true. Um, one of the immense challenges of parenthood uh, is that you have age that has given you a degree of looking back at how dumb you were when you were their age, and you know. At time, you know for certain at times that your kids are being dumb. You're like, you are being dumb. And I say this with all due respect to you, my child, you are being dumb. And I, you, I, I cannot, I can, as you know, I cannot convince you that you are being dumb, but mm-hmm. I know that you are being dumb. And I know that you will change your mind on a great number of things because I too have done that. And my parents told me I would do it and I thought they were wrong. And it turns out that they were right. So the age means that you are looking at them and they are certain of this thing, but you know that there's a great many things on which they are not certain that they will change their mind on and that they are simply incorrect about. That combines with one of the primary challenges of parenthood is when do I allow my kid to leap and when do I pull them back from the edge? That's, That's one of the primary challenges. When do I let you take the risk knowing that immense failure is a possibility and when do I protect you from yourself that's a constant thing you have that's a constant judgment it's a judgment call you have to make as a parent it's just a constant judgment call um and that combines with this question because that's the parenthood part of this question is I have to protect you from yourself I have to pull you back from the edge sometimes and I know that there are times when you are simply being dumb and I have to actually though in 20 years you'll be like damn dad i'm like i know man i was i was there too and you did you ignored me the same way i ignored my pops the same way he ignored his and the line stretching back to the beginning of humankind (laughs) of like boys ignoring their dads and going damn it he was right (laughs) yep (laughs) only i oh so that so i thought your answer was really wonderful because it did highlight this tension between parenthood and accepting your kids choices that is there it's built into parenting and it can never be unwound from the difficulty of it so um great answers from from all of you but again nick i thought yours really drew out the the sort of core the core challenge of the question itself um so with that back to you el presidente before we move on (laughs) Uh, I also want to go ahead and say one thing about your response, Nick. Not that I disagreed with you in any way, uh, but like one of the things that I, I think we often tend to forget is that the people that we deal with, especially the people that we raise, do not think about things the same way we do because they legitimately can't. Mm-hmm. And yep. so one of the <laughs> like biggest challenges i know that a lot of people are facing i myself am facing with a a small child as you saw uh, when we started this recording session is like i know when they want things they can't have or shouldn't have i should say Mm -hmm. uh 
I know when they're doing things that are dangerous. Like, they don't know that. Like, no, you should not be standing on that. You will, in fact, fall and hurt yourself. But I know that in your little kid brain, you want to stand on the top of this thing and be king of the hill. I know because I did it. I hurt myself. (laughs) I'm trying to protect you from you, but you don't know that. And so all it looks like is that I am not letting you do what you want. And that like Mm -hmm. builds little kid resentment. Right. Right. That's that's real. Little kid resentment is real. Child's perspective of it. Yeah. Right. And so I I think a lot of things that gets Mm -hmm. a lot of the thing or the in my mind, the biggest thing that gets lost, especially when we talk about things like this, are like is actually the child's perspective. That's one of the reasons why gentle parenting has been such a like big thing especially in our generation is because we're focusing more on meeting the child where they are rather than just like forcing them to do whatever we want them to do or making them act the way that we want them to act and so uh i think that that was a a very useful thing to point out and i want to again highlight it because it is again a thing that i think is very lost when we deal with like being parents nowadays. Well, there's an and- ironic, um, really quick, there's an ironic thing that happened with the generations in terms of parenting. Um, our parents' parents were like, let them do what they want. Screw them. They're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. They're going to learn their lesson. Those kids went, I didn't like that. I'm going to teach Mike. I'm going to stop. I'm going pre- to be preventative. And then that came to us. And they were preventative sometimes with those actions. And then we took that preventative thing and we said, well, that really upset me as a person when I was a child. So I'm going to start allowing, my, like that's I. This is this is where I think the the um, gentle parenting came from. It was that line of of let them do what they want. Oh, I didn't like that. I'm going to stop that. Oh, I didn't like being stopped. I'm going to meet the kid on their level so that they can understand it. I didn't like being right. stopped. I didn't <laughs> like being the, stopped. Uh... Let me stand on the hill. Damn it! It's the well, boomerang. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and something mm-hmm. that didn't even come up, but it's funny because you mentioned it with the bag of chips and it made me think there are times where my kids ask for stuff and Heather and I are working people and this ties into the question, believe it or not. We're working people. Uh, we're, we're doing, we're better than we used to do. We've gotten raises, but there were times when our kids would ask for stuff and we would say no, but we wouldn't tell them. The answer is because we ain't got it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to tell you, my kid, because I feel ashamed telling you I'm broke. No parent wants to tell their kid we're broke. We can't afford the twenty dollar thing that you want, and I don't have a good objection other than that we ain't got it. Mm-hmm. So I come up with some reason. But the truth is that I can't afford to get you the thing you want. Look at hormone therapy, not covered by. In, in all no, cases, by insurance, is not, nope. There is a financial cost associated with supporting your kid. Mm-hmm. What if you don't have it? How are you supposed to explain to your kid, "I can't support your decision because I ain't got it"? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's a fair thing to think about when it comes to this. this I mean, things that the no might not be a no because I don't right. want to support you. It's a no because I right fiscally can't. And to your can. point, yeah, the kid won't understand that. But at the root of it is like. That's, I want that's, to support you. I don't actually think that's true. I think you're inf- I think you're uh, doing a bit of infant- infantilization of them. Of people not having money? 
no, 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 of the child, of the child not understanding. If you can't say, you you come, depending no. on, the, depending on the kid, like, because that, like, so what you're describing is actually, like, what I grew up with. A, a thing you want really bad, like, transitioning to a different gender, do you think a financial objection is really going to make you swallow it any easier? Because we're not talking about a bag of chips anymore. We're talking about your identity, the root of or you. You're, you're, you're I say you're right. I mean, there's no, there is no, there is nothing in the world that will make that um, pill easier to like, especially if, whatever the answer, like for whatever reason, the, your parents' answer is no is. Um, there's yeah. No, like, there's no reason that makes that go down better. But yeah. as a, let's say, but there is a difference between knowing that my that your parents are on your side. And there is some other institution that that is blocking them, and feeling undermined by your parents. Mm-hmm. Those are two different yeah. feelings. And like if you if you say I can't afford to get you that surgery, but I can afford to get you clothes that affirm your gender, is right. my parents support right. me. They just can't provide the thing that I truly want. But right, right. yeah, and you can try to give what, them again. You can try to give a nuanced answer. But what I am mm-hmm. saying is that sometimes the reason for the no is as painful to the parents as it is to the kid. Mm-hmm. And it's just I mean, pain for everybody. Yeah. Correct. Oh, and ab- parents, absolutely. And 100%. as a parent, you are often reluctant to admit when you can't provide financially for your kids. You're reluctant to tell them to their face, I cannot do the thing that is my primary job in some sense, which is to provide for you. I cannot do that thing for you. The feeling of shame over being broke is is... Oh, oh, yeah. and that's, real. That's really, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, and there's also and there's some other like there's some other things with that too. Um uh just like of children being aware of things that children shouldn't have no business being aware yep. of. Like we sometimes we force kids to grow up too fast and it's not it's no one's fault. I, I mean it's society's fault, but um <laughs> It's no one's fault. Right, it's no <laughs> one person's fault. But just so you know, sometimes children are put in situations where they have to they have to be adults way before they have any right to be. And it sucks. It sucks for everyone right. involved. You have to be an adult and also you still have to live in the wrong body. Yeah. And I'm also and forcing you to be an adult. adult. <laughs> right. Yeah. You 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 <laughs> an adult should while having none of the power of an adult. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, your I say your peers won't. I say your peers won't understand why you have to make the decisions you're making. Right, they won't understand, and that's incredibly right. isolating, and it's terrible. Yeah, but right. this is the hand we're dealt. Right, and I'm sorry. So I'm gonna go ahead and cap there uh, because <laughs> we we are out of time. So we um had other things to talk about and I don't, I don't necessarily mind this discussion at all but that just means i'll save what we were going to talk about for another day so with that being said <clears throat> this podcast i feel like i feel like now i have to speak in an awkward cadence to make it funny uh this podcast has <laughs> been brought to you in part by Yag productions the studio for podcasters and musicians and of course, Podcast News. <laughs> to listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at podcast.news, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts, articles, and polls that can cover today. 
Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all at home for listening. We will see you next time. Josh out.